Hello, and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey. If you'd like to hear past episodes of the podcast, you could check it out on SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, we're going to pray and then get right into the word for today. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you are mighty and strong. God, I thank you that you are beyond me. God, I thank you that you're not just my peer, but you're bigger than me. God, I thank you that you don't have just as much wisdom as I have, but God, you have more wisdom than I could ever, ever even begin to comprehend. God, I thank you that your ways are not my ways, but your ways are beyond mine. God, I thank you that in you, I have the perfect mentor. In you, I have the perfect parent. In you, I have the perfect picture of perfection. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you speak to your people. I thank you that you speak to me. And God, I pray that you would speak to your people today. God, I pray that you would speak to people that don't know you well yet, because God, I know you know them. So God, I pray that you would open up hearts, that you would begin to uh, reveal yourself to those who don't know you. And God, reveal yourself even stronger to those who do know you. God, I thank you for who you are. We pray all these things because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We pray all these things because Jesus came and made a way for us to enter into a relationship with you, God. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. You know, I am famous for making to-do lists. I make to-do lists upon to-do lists upon to-do lists. And one of the things that bothers me most of all is when I go to complete something off my to-do list, and I could only accomplish part of it. And so I can't quite have the satisfaction of crossing it off yet, but it's kind of done. Do you know what I'm saying? There's some things you do that you could just cross off the list. You did this. You picked this person up. You made it to this appointment. Cross off the list. Then there's other things where you send an email, and you have to wait for the response so that you could finish that task, and then you could fully cross it off. There's nothing that bothers me more than a half-finished item because I want to cross it off, but I have to go back and make sure it's perfect. One way to uh, solve that need in myself is I love doing bookkeeping. You know, that sounds ultra boring, but I love doing bookkeeping at the uh, time when the reconciliation papers come in. And the reconciliation, if you're not a QuickBooks person, if you're not a numbers person, it's a statement from the bank that kind of checks your work. The statement from the bank that says, here's what we have for your withdrawals and your deposits. Check it with your work and make sure it's perfect. And it's just so satisfying because they're numbers. They're black and white. There's no uh, half-finished anything. You could just say, check, 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 check. Now, sometimes it doesn't work out, and then I have to go back and do a highlighter (laughs) and go back and say, highlight, 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 and make sure everything reconciles. Everything is equal. What you said is what I have, and it works. (laughs) There's nothing better than it being completed, 100% completed. Because when you sit down to do a reconciliation for the bank, Usually, when you're done, you get up, and it's finished. You sign your name to the document, you print it out, staple it, file it, done. It's not like a a honey-do list or a to-do list for the day that hangs over you or goes in your pocket for the next day. It's done. And I love that about reconciliations. So today, I want to talk to you about... a, a different type of reconciliation, a spiritual type of reconciliation... 
You see, you and I were created by something bigger than ourselves. And so in each one of us, there is a longing for completion. There is a longing for something, and we might not know quite what it is, but there is a longing in us to be reconciled. We know that there's something that will just cross it off the list for us, not halfway, but all the way. There's other things in our lives that partly satisfy, but don't completely satisfy. There are things that could be fun for a season, but then leave us wanting in the next season. There are things that pacify us but don't completely satisfy us. There are those half-crossed-off things, those things that we have to wait to see if it works out. We have to wait for a response from someone else. We have to wait for the whole thing to be completed, and it's never quite done. It's a thing that carries over and carries over and carries over. And in a spiritual sense, a lot of us are longing for that thing. A lot of us have not crossed off that feeling of completion. But I have. Yeah, you heard me right. I have. I have found completion. I have found my place. I have found myself. And I found it in God. I found myself in God because he created me. And what he did is he reconciled me to himself. It all works out completely. Signed, sealed, delivered, filed in the filing cabinet. I am his. I found out who I am. I found out what completes me. I found out what makes me me. I found out why I was created. I found out how I was created. I found out the answers. And I want to live the rest of my life helping other people to find that same completion, that same reconciliation. You see, there is a God who is beyond us, a God who is bigger than us, a God who is smarter than us, And he created humankind in his image. I am created in the image of God. You, my friend, are created in the image of God. And so is every Asian, African, South American, North American. Every person is created with the likeness of God. We are a, a reflection of our creator. And until we find our home in him, we'll be half-crossed off. We'll find things that satisfy us for a little while. We'll find a relationship with another person to bring us joy. Because that other person is created in the image of the God that we long for. But we'll find that that relationship can bring us joy, but it can't fully cross it off our list. Because the perfect relationship that I found, I found the perfect relationship. I found a relationship that never fails. I found a relationship that challenges me, that pushes me to beyond what I could ever hope for. A relationship that will never leave me wanting. A relationship that always is there, that will, no matter what I do or or how far I walk away, will never dismiss me. That will always encourage me. That will fill me with things that nothing else can. And that relationship is with Jesus. I found the one my soul was longing for. 
And people, my husband, my children, my parents, my friends, they are a reflection. They are a piece to the puzzle. But the big thing is Jesus. And when I found myself in Jesus, when I found my relationship with him, when he talks and I listen and obey, when I talk and he answers back, when I read the Bible and it instructs me and it helps me and it directs me and it loves me, I am complete. I am whole. I have every single thing that I need. Could you imagine what it's like to be satisfied, whole, and complete? That's what Jesus does. He created us to be in in community with him. And until we do that, we will never know completion. We'll only know a part of it. God gave us the Bible. It's a beautiful book that moves us. It's a beautiful book that when coupled with prayer, when coupled with communication with God, it will change everything. It talks about this ministry of reconciliation. And what that's talking about is when you know God, when you really know peace, when you really know acceptance, when you really know who you are, you can't help but go and rescue other people and say, hey, do you want me to tell you who you are? Do you want me to tell you the longing in your heart, how it can be satisfied? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope also that it's plain to your conscience. What I am to God is plain. It's obvious to me. What I am to God is His. What I am to God is His creation. What I am to God is a vessel, like a pot, like a container that he can use. I am a vessel that God can use because I'm his and I'm so completely loved by him. I'm so complete in him that I say, God, use me to tell other people about how great you are. And he puts love in my heart for other people. He puts words in my mouth to speak. He puts ideas in my heart of things to do to show his love. Verse 13 says that some might say we're out of our mind, but we are in our right mind. And it's for Christ's sake, it's for Christ's love that compels us. I am compelled by the love of God to tell you all about it. I'm compelled because I found myself, and I want you to find yourself. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let's look at that for a minute. What is all this about Jesus dying? If God loved us so much, why would he have to send someone to die for us? Well, many of you might be listening to this because you're like a man named Nicodemus. There was a great Jewish scholar, a Jewish religious person, who lived in the same time period as Jesus Christ, who lived in the same day when Jesus literally walked in his sandals on, the, on planet Earth. 
He lived at the same time when Jesus' feet were getting dusty on the ground. He lived in that same time period, and he saw and heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. He saw and heard him teach. But the religious people of the day could not believe that the God of heaven would send his son to be so lowly. They thought that God would come. They believed it absolutely. Every prophecy pointed to it, that God would come to earth. But they believed that the God that would come to earth would come uh, riding in with a scepter in his hand, ruling with thunder in his voice, that he would be putting people subject under him, that he would be putting people under his feet, that he would be commanding governments and wiping out people. But when you look at the prophecy a little closer, it points to a humble God. It points to Jesus, born in a manger announcing his coming to common people. Because to Jesus, to God, we are not common. To God, we are each individually his creation. Not one more important than another. Not one more important than another. The world has standards that elevate people above one another, but God's standards looks at us all as his sons and his daughters. He doesn't look at how much money we have. He doesn't look at what race we have. He doesn't look at what gender we are. In him, we are all his. We are called his. We aren't called uh, by any other title besides his. And so Nicodemus sees Jesus. He watches him, and he has this stirring in his spirit. And I hope that's the same stirring that's happening in your spirit right now as you're listening to these words. I hope, I pray that your heart is leaping inside of you because truth will set you free, and the truth of the gospel will set you on a different path than you ever imagined. It will put you in a place of peace. Not peace like the world can give you peace that's temporary, but peace that is lasting through every circumstance, through every high and every low, a peace that passes all understanding. So Nicodemus gets this stirring in his spirit, and he wants to talk to Jesus. He wants to uh, figure out what's going on here. But he's afraid of what other people will think. He's not quite sure how it all works out. And so he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night on a rooftop to meet with him, a secret meeting with this Jesus. And he says, teacher, I think, I think that maybe there's something to you. Maybe there's something to uh, you and, and, and everyone's claims that you are the Christ. He says, how can I be a follower of you? And Jesus says, you have to be born all over again. You can't be the same person that you are right now and belong to me. And Nicodemus, being pretty practical, he says, how can I be born again of a woman? I've been born once. You can't be born twice. And Jesus says, you have to be born again. You have to be born into your spiritual being. You have to be not just flesh and blood, but you have to be made alive in your spirit made alive in your spirit. This is impossible, Nicodemus says. What are you talking about? And Jesus, because he's God, 
explains his ways are higher than ours. His are beyond ours. It's not a math or science or arithmetic. It's not things that happen. They are taught in school. This is spiritual wisdom. He says, you have to be born of the spirit. Well, how do I do this? Jesus says these famous words that we repeat all the time. On that secret rooftop meeting with the guy who was a little embarrassed to meet in public and in daylight, with the guy who wasn't quite sure how this would work, with a guy whose friends all said, this is silly, I don't believe it, it's stupid. To that guy, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if you would just believe in him, you won't die a regular death. You'll die, but you'll be raised to life again, and you will live with me in heaven. I didn't come into the world to condemn it. I came into the world to save it. Nicodemus changed everything. He changed everything that night. Nicodemus became became a spiritual person that night when he believed in Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus, when we confess out loud, we say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in God. I see that you are the one that created me. I believe in you. We're like Nicodemus. You're like me. I remember saying that prayer. But why did Jesus have to come and die? Why couldn't he just come and live? Jesus came to die to pay the bill. Many of us don't recognize that there's a bill due. Many of us don't recognize that there is a penance to pay. Many of us don't recognize that there is anything to pay. What am I talking about? See, sin and evil separate us from God. Sin is anything that goes against the holiness of God. Not the holiness of my own standards, to which I would always confess that I am wonderful. But to the standards of God, which he outlines for us, and his standards are not to hurt us. His standards are not to hone us in to be uh, just robots of one another. He clearly didn't want robots. You look at how different each and every person is. He didn't make us robots. He made us individuals, but he gave us this plan of life that would bring us wholeness that would bring us health, that would bring us peace. He says, if you live by my laws, if you live by my ways, everything will be all right. But if you go your own way and you have your human understanding, you'll have a human outcome. But if you want a spiritual outcome, if you want a heavenly outcome, live by my laws. And he lays out his laws to his people, but for generations and generations, they try to follow this law. But it's impossible Because we are human and not spirits, because we are not God, we couldn't follow the laws. We couldn't uh, abstain from sin. We wanted things that were evil. We wanted things that were against God for generations and generations and generations, hundreds and hundreds of years. And God shows up in all kinds of different ways. And he finally says, you know how you can pay for your sins is you can sacrifice an animal to pay for your sins. And for generations, they did just that. And then God said, I'm going to send a sacrifice to cover every sin. I'm going to send a sacrifice that can be once and for all, that it can be finished, that there could be a payment for every sin. And he sent himself. He sent Jesus. And Jesus came He did miracles, he preached, he taught, 
He showed us a better way. Jesus talked to the wrong people, so to speak. He talked to the people nobody else liked. He talked to the people that everyone was prejudiced against. He talked to the people that everyone had written off. He healed people everyone had written off. He healed lepers. Lepers were people that uh, had such a contagious disease that they had to live in their own colony outside of the towns, away from everyone else. And Jesus went up and touched them and healed them. He healed people who were blind from birth. He healed people who were lame. He healed people who were sick. He healed people who were dead and brought them back to life. He taught and preached in ways that we hadn't heard before, that humanity didn't understand because his wisdom was from heaven. He taught, he preached, and he healed, and he helped, and he served. And he showed to be a leader, first you must become a servant, He showed that there was no job he wouldn't do or thing that he wouldn't do to show his love for humanity. He was a champion of everyone. He was a champion of everyone because every set of eyes he looked into, he said, that's my daughter, that's my son, that's my creation. Jesus did more for women than any other person ever has done. He told women, come, sit at my feet and be my disciple, right alongside your brothers. So Jesus goes on to live this perfect life, sinless life. And then the religious leaders of the day couldn't see that he was the Messiah couldn't see who he was because they wanted Jesus to come in with an army. They wanted him to come in and rule and reign and go to war. But Jesus didn't come for war. He didn't come, just like it says in uh, John 3, 17, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. And so as Jesus is being nailed to a cross, he could have called down multitudes of angels to rescue him. He could have called anything from heaven and he would have gotten off that cross, but he willingly gave up his life for you. Friend, I'm talking just to you. He willingly gave up his life just for you. And he willingly gave up his life just for me. He died to pay the penalty for my sin. He died so that when I got pregnant before I was married, my sin would be covered. He died so that when I stole, my sin would be covered. He died so that when I lie, my sin will be covered. He died so that when I get angry, my sin would be covered. He died so that when I I gossip about other people, my sin would be covered. He died so that When I fail, I could still succeed. And they took his body off the cross, and it fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about him that was already written. Even from uh, from how they put the spear in his side to every single thing that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And they put him in a tomb. And the religious people and the Roman government was so afraid that he would rise from the dead rise from the dead, that they put guards in front of a tomb. They put guards in front of a dead man's tomb because they knew he wasn't just a man. And three days later, he rose. Three days later, he defeated death. 
He is the only God who doesn't have a gravestone. Muhammad has a gravestone. Jesus doesn't. Buddha has a gravestone. Jesus doesn't because he's alive. And he appeared back to his disciples and to the people of that time, back to Nicodemus. He walked the earth for a whole month, appearing to different people, speaking to different people. He took my sin that day. He took your sin that day. He took on the sins of the world. For God so loved the world, his creation, that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not die, but have everlasting life. Jesus today sits at the right hand of God, praying for your spirit, praying for you. Standing in the gap for you, because that's what he did. He stood in the gap between us and God. He said, here, cross over on my back. Here, cross over on my blood. Cross, cross over on my sacrifice. Cross over because of me. For me personally, I'm complete. I found out who I am. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, Jesus as the one who laid down his life for me, when I said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I haven't kept all of your commands. I haven't even kept some of them. I've, I've walked my own way. I've been my own master. I've been my own God. I listen to my own conscience. I don't follow you. Forgive me, God. You're my creator. I want to follow you. I believe in your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice he made for me on the cross. Then I was born of the Spirit. Then I was no longer just flesh and, and bones, but I was born of the Spirit. And now I uh, claim to be a citizen of heaven. I am not a citizen of the United States of America alone, but I am a citizen of heaven. And if today I take my last breath, my next breath will be in heaven. How do I know? Oh, how do I know that this is real? Because friends, God talks to me. I talk to God and he answers me. And he shows me great and mighty things that I didn't know before. I listen to his voice. I do what he says. And my life is full and complete. There is peace that passes understanding. I'm complete. I know who I am. I'm reconciled to him. It's done, it's stapled, it's put in the drawer. The Bible t teaches me, God teaches me, that my name is written in his book. He has this book called the Lamb's Book of Life. Why is it called the Lamb's Book? Because Jesus is referred to as the Lamb, the great sacrifice. In the Lamb's Book of Life, it's written Jillian Audrey Pelkey. And one day when I get to heaven, he's not even going to have to look to find my name because he knows me. He's not going to ask me what my name is at some desk somewhere. We know each other. I know my creator. And today, he invites you to come and know him too. Today, he's using my voice to invite you. Today, he's using me to speak to you. Because that's how he works. He uses everyday people. I was going to say that I'm nobody special, but you know what? I'm somebody special. I'm a child of God. And you're somebody special. You're a creation of God's, and he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. I heard a story recently that there was a, a, 
a couple that wanted to be bird watchers. And so they started looking for birds everywhere. They got the books, whatever. And then there was another guy who was, an, who was a professional bird watcher. And they invited him over for lunch. And as they were driving in the car to go to lunch, they got to the place and he said, how many birds did you see on the way? And they were like, none. We were looking. We didn't see any birds. He said, I saw nine species, nine separate species of birds on the way. How? Because he knew what to look for. He was in the practice of looking for birds. He had done it for so long, he had narrowed in his way of being able to see it. Today, friend, I've narrowed in the way to see it. I want to guide you to Jesus. I've seen him. I see him everywhere I go. I see him in everything that I do. Because I once was flesh and and bones, but now I am born of the Spirit. I am born again. And God wants you also to be born again. Follow me as I follow Christ. Today I want to invite you to know your Creator. And it's very simple. But it changes everything. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. But I want you to make a decision. Do you want to pray this prayer too? Do you want to tell Jesus that you believe in him? That you accept his sacrifice as payment for your sin? Do you want to be born of the Spirit and find hope and peace? I'm going to pray and I'm going to leave a little bit of space so you could repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing special or magical about this prayer. But it's a declaration out loud. And if you're not somewhere where you can talk out loud, go find somewhere where you can literally say these words out loud. Something happens in our mind, then that's fine. But to say these words out loud, it has power. Find somewhere to go and be alone. Right now, get up. Find that place. Even if it's a bathroom, go be in the bathroom. This is the most important prayer you'll ever pray. Go find your spot. Today's your day. Today's your day. Today is the day of salvation. All right, here we go. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I want to know you. I believe in you. I believe in God. Please forgive me for my sins. Will you take my sins on yourself? Will you pay for my sins? Thank you, Jesus. I believe by faith that my sins are now gone. I believe by faith. Because I believe in Jesus, because he's taken away my sins, I believe I'm going to heaven. God, help me to live my life in a new way. God, I ask that I would be born again. God, I ask that you would send people into my life to guide me. God, help me to get to know you. God, help me to have peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My email is Jillian. J-I-L-L-I-A-N 528 at yahoo.com Jillian528 at yahoo.com Email me 
ask me any questions that you have, email me. Tell me that you accepted Jesus so I can celebrate with you. Email me. Tell me if you need a Bible. Go and find a Bible. And now you're a new creation. You are a Christ follower, a Christian. Your whole life is going to be different. The most uh, beneficial thing you could do is to find a church of Bible-believing people who will come alongside you and help you to, to develop as a Christian. Just like that bird watcher could see birds and the, the newcomers couldn't see them yet. There are people that want to help you and disciple you. And God gave us, it talks about in the Bible in 2 Corinthians, this ministry of reconciliation to help people get to know God. And then the most beautiful thing is you get to know him on your own. You have a personal relationship with him. Feel free to share this message with anyone you think that needs it. Thank you for listening. And I pray that you will serve God all the days of your life because there's nothing better.